Welcome to the Redeemer Podcast. For more information about Redeemer Church, visit makingmuchofjesus.org. We hope you enjoy the talk and invite you to visit us next Sunday at either our 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. service. Open up, if you will, to John chapter 13. That will be our text this morning, verses 1 through 20. Um, if you, uh, as you do that, I'd like to uh, maybe answer two questions you might be having. First, if you're new with us, um, I am not Pastor Jeff. I'm not the regular preacher here. Uh, you, as most of you know, Pastor Jeff is in the Republic of Georgia. Uh, he's on a, with a team from our church, and so remember to be praying for him. Remember to pray that uh, they, God would use them, they'd be effective in their pastor's conference and their outreach while they're there. Um, be, in, be in prayer for them. Um, and the second thing that you might be wondering and that I want to answer is, uh, no, I was not required to wear the suit coat and the tie, um, but I, I feel like Pastor Jeff just sets the precedent, and what am I going to do, come up here without it, and who's this slob coming to preach to us? So, uh, so I wore it. But thank you, for, uh, thank you for allowing me to preach this morning. Thank you for listening. Um, and more than that, thank you for letting me be a part of this church family. Caroline and I love you so dearly, uh, and we would not want to be anywhere else. So as we go to the scriptures, let's stand. If you're able, let's stand in honor of reading God's word. And we will read John 13, 1 through 20. Verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper... When the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who's bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Verse 12. When he washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet... You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you do these things, blessed are you if you do them. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. This is God's word. Let's pray. 
Father, would you lead us this morning in your word? Would you come by your Holy Spirit and change our hearts, show us your love? Lord, I, I can't change a heart. Um, only you can do that. So I ask that you would, that you would come. We want to put our yes on the table to you, Lord, whatever you call us to. Uh, you are the risen Lord. Whatever you call us to, we submit to. And we love you, and we look forward to, your, to hearing from you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can have a seat. <clears throat> what would you do if you only had one day to live? Uh, if you just had 24 hours? This is a, a fascinating question, uh, and it's the subject of many songs and movies. I think of a bucket list, you know, the kind of what would you do if you only had a certain amount of time. Uh, the, you think of... Um, Tim McGraw's song, Live Like You Were Dying, where he says, I would go skydiving and Rocky Mountain climbing in 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. What would you do? This is the situation that Jesus faces, uh, and and it's remarkable what he chooses to do. Uh, This is the night that Judas betrays him, and and just after this, if we kept reading, uh, in 21 through 30, Judas goes out to betray Jesus, so he's going to die in 24 hours, right, within the, the next 24 hours. And it's remarkable what Jesus chooses to do. Um, first, because wh- whatever anyone would choose to do in that situation would say a lot about them. If you knew you were going to die, what, what would you choose to do? It says a lot about them. But additionally, because we're talking about the man from heaven, the God from Galilee, the God-man, Jesus Christ. His, his options are a little bigger than most of our options about what he could do. And so what he chooses to do is remarkable. He, he's at dinner with his best friends. You might expect that. Uh, But what he does next, we don't expect. He interrupts dinner. He gets up, takes off his outer garment, ties a towel around his waist, and washes his disciples' feet. And then he gets up, and he says in verse 15, I've done this as an example to you, that you you all should should serve as I have served, right? Um, Everyone says that he doesn't mean we should all be washing our feet, each other's feet constantly. Uh, This is an example of humble service, right? Uh, that, That this is, man... How we should serve each other in this way is how Jesus humbled himself and, and served his disciples in this moment. Okay, so disciples of Jesus, it's a very clear, straightforward passage. Disciples of Jesus, ones who follow him, are called to serve like this, okay? Uh, so this is a message basically about Christian service. How should we serve as uh, believers, as followers of Jesus? And we're going to see three things about service today. We're going to see the call. We're going to see the, the effects, the surprising effects. And we're going to see the power, the call to serve. What is Jesus calling us to? Uh, the, the surprising effects of service. What will happen if we do serve in this way? And then the power to serve. It's asking, how can we do this? How do, how do we get the power uh, to obey this way? Okay, so first, the call. What is Jesus calling us to? Let's look at it closely. Um, I think we can learn at least three things about service and Christian service, especially from this passage. Uh, the first is that no service is too menial. No service is too menial. Uh, it was a really common and hospitable thing for when someone came into your house, you would have uh, a servant or a slave who would uh, wash people's feet right as they came in. Um, and uh, because man, people at this time, they walked in sandals. You know, you've seen the Jesus movies. Uh, they, had, they wore sandals. They walked on dirt roads. Um, and so that would make your feet dirty, obviously. Uh, but also, think about without the modern infrastructure of indoor plumbing and of sewage, um, you know, they would just kind of dump human waste out of the window onto the street. And so that would also be on your feet. Um, and so you can see why, and this would be an undesirable task, right? This is very nasty. Uh, many commentators point out what you've probably heard, that uh, even, even Jewish slaves 
wouldn't be, usually be asked to wash feet. It would be saved for the lowest of the low, the Gentile slaves, the, the lowest on the totem pole would be asked to wash people's feet, uh, which makes it clear why it must have been, and it was such a shock to the disciples when Jesus gets up, puts on uh, a towel, dresses like a slave, and then begins to do the foot washing. They didn't have a category for this. They, didn't, they, they wouldn't have computed in their mind a, a master washing disciples' feet. Craziness. Okay, foot washing was low and, and degrading. And additionally, remember who this is. Okay, remember the, the passage in, in verse 3 says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, he's in control of everything, and that he had come from God, was going back to God. So Jesus, he has authority over all things. Right? This is showing his power. He, he isn't surprised by these things. Right? Uh, everything's going according to plan. Um, he spun the stars. Right? He, he invented gravitational pull and atoms and penguins. Uh, he, he created everything, the creator, the sustainer, the alpha, the omega, uh, the God of all. Okay, so it's not just an important person, like A-N, one important person who's foot washing. It is the important person in the universe who is foot washing. Okay, it's really hard to find a parallel to this, and I don't think there is one, but imagine, say, the president of your company, whatever you, wherever you work, coming over to your house for dinner, and he or she, you find them uh, in the kitchen uh, kind of fishing the avocado pit out of the disposal, you know, uh, trying to, like, you dropped it in there, or you, you accidentally threw away some instructions in the trash, so they're digging through the trash trying to find these, right? Absurd. <laughs> Wouldn't happen. Uh, that, that's unbelievable. And so uh, it, it's not just that the foot washing is nasty. It is. Uh, that makes it, makes Jesus' actions shocking. But it's who is doing the foot washing. It's the dignity of this person uh, who is washing feet, which is actually the argument that Jesus uses in verse 13. Look at that in 13. Um, it, it's a greater to lesser argument. So he says, you call me teacher and Lord. You're right. For so I am. Okay, people who say Jesus doesn't ever claim to be God have not read the Gospel of John. That's what the whole thing is about. Uh, but he, he says, he's like, you say I'm better than you. You say I'm, I'm your teacher. You say that I'm God. You're right, I am. I'm better than you, right? You're disciples, I'm God. Uh, and if I, so if Jesus, if I have washed your feet, very large jump, I've humbled myself, very large jump, then you, down here, ought to also wash each other's feet. That's a much smaller uh, jump, a much smaller humility. So if Jesus can do this, if Jesus can wash feet, then no task is below you. No task is below me. Okay? Toilet scrubbing, diaper duty, foot rubbing. Please don't look at your spouse. Weed pulling. No, no service is too menial. Uh, no service is below you. Second, second thing we can learn about the service, no one is too busy. Okay, we might be tempted to say, uh, I, man, I'm too busy to stop and help with something so trivial. Isn't this the life, the life that Americans lead? I, I'm, I've got to get to work. I've got to get home, right? I've got to rest. I've got important things to accomplish, right? Whatever it is, uh, we're busy. Um, but, but think with me about foot washing for just a minute. The feet would have gotten dirty immediately, right? They're about to go back outside and walk in the street again. This is, so this service is like, you know, making your bed in the morning. It's going to be messed up that night, right? Uh, it's, it's like picking up the Legos. The kids are about to dump them out again, right? It's like doing the dishes. It's one of these, these tasks, these daily tasks that you do, and then they get messed up right away. Um, 
It's, this is the foot washing. So think about this. If the God-man, if Jesus can wash feet in his last hours, if he can make that a priority, can we really say, I'm too busy to serve in this way or in that way? Think, think of all that Jesus could have done in these last hours. This is a fun exercise. What, what could Jesus have done in, the, in these last? He could have been teaching the mysteries of God, couldn't he? Don't you think there's some things about God that he, and God, his character and his work that he didn't teach his disciples that he could have been? Yes. That's not what he chose to do. He could have been healing terminal illnesses. He did it all the time, healing people. He could have been, that's how he could have been spending these last hours on earth, these last minutes on earth. That's not what he chose to do. He could have been walking on water to flex his power. He could have just been taking a jog on the lake, you know? He did that. He could have been. He did miracles all the time like that. That's not what he chose to do. He took off his outer garment. He put on a towel, and he washed feet. And just, by the way, what, what motivated him? Look at verse 1. Having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them to the end. His own he loved them. Jesus, oh, how he loved his disciples, and oh, how he loves us, his own, the church. Feel, in this passage, feel this morning, Jesus' love for you. He loves you. His heart overflows with love for you. The Son of God spent some of his last valuable minutes on earth washing feet. If Jesus isn't too busy to serve, then neither are you, and, and neither am I. No service is too menial. No one is too busy. The third thing we can learn about service is that no person is unworthy. No person is unworthy of your service. John very intentionally mentions Judas. So in verse 2, he, he talks about Judas, that Judas is already thinking murderous thoughts. Um, in, in verses 18 and 19, Jesus predicts that Judas will betray him. Hey, I'm going to be betrayed, and I'm telling you this so you'll know when it happens that I, you don't, won't doubt, like this is the plan. You'll know that I am, right, literally, that I am he. I'm God. Um, so Jesus knows that one of the 12, one of his closest friends, like the inner circle, these, these people he's loved the most and has spent the most time with, is going to turn on him. Have you ever been betrayed by someone close to you? Jesus has. He knows what it's like. And, and the, the astounding thing is this. In the foot washing, he doesn't skip Judas. So he looks into the eyes of one of his best friends, one of his best friends, who he knows is thinking murderous thoughts, who's hatching murderous plans toward him. He's about to go out and sell him for money. He looks in his eyes, and then he gets down on his knees, and he washes his feet. It's sometimes easy to serve someone who loves you. It's never easy to serve someone who hates you. It's never even easy to serve someone who just annoys you, is it? Right? Someone at work, like, oh, gosh. Right? Someone in your, in, your, in your home, in your family, hopefully they're just going through a stage. But, you know, sometimes it's hard uh, to serve. Uh, but, but, man, Jesus serves someone who hates him. This is what Jesus does. And he says, serve just as I've served you. So if Jesus can serve and love Judas, who's about to go out and sell him for 30 pieces of silver, there's no person that you and I could say, <laughs> no, they hate me. I couldn't do that for them. 
There's just not, right? In fact, Jesus says another place, love your enemies, serve your enemies. Um, there's the people you should especially go, how can I specifically serve that person? Okay, this is the type of service that we're called to in this passage. Jesus really, he doesn't pull any punches. No service is too menial, no one is too busy, and no person is unworthy of your service. So now we move to effects. So if we do this, if we serve in this way, what, what will happen? What are the effects uh, of this kind of service, the results of this kind of service? I think we see at least two here. Uh, the first is the most straightforward. I think you might expect it. The second uh, is surprising, I think. And the first is found in verse 17, uh, and it says, if you know these things, Jesus says, if you know uh, who I am and that I've served you and that you, I've called you to do the same and you serve, blessed are you if you do them. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So you will be blessed. Okay, blessed here means happy, joyful, fulfilled. Uh, Jesus says, if you serve like me, which honestly sounds hard, right? But if you serve that, if you'll do this, you'll be blessed. You'll have peace. You'll, you'll be happy. You'll find great satisfaction in serving others. And, and so many of you know this by experience, don't you? So many of you. When I was getting ready for this message, um, I, I just couldn't help but think of our, our church. So many of you remind me of Jesus in your service. Um, I think of uh, Pastor Skip when we had just moved in to our old house, um, and so many, so many of you, thank you, came and helped us move. And, um, and, but Pastor Skip stayed afterward um, to help us fix this leaky faucet that we had in our bathroom. Um, and he, he actually, so after helping us move, he, uh, he looked at the faucet and then he went home to his house like 30 minutes away and got his tools. And then he called his hardware store and figured out, did research and figured out what part he would need to fix the faucet. And then he went and bought that. And then he came back to our house and installed the faucet, right? And this is after moving. After I helped someone move, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm done. Like I served. Uh, I'm tired. But blew me away uh, how he served in that way. I think of uh, all the adults who help serve with our, our students multiple times each week. Right, just constantly there, constantly, just faithful. I think of Sandy Green cooking meals for the kids all the time. Just such humble um, service. I think of our, our amazing deacon team uh, that leads out just in all kinds of service in the church and, and outside the church. I think of many uh, in our church who, who serve the least, who serve the poor. Um, uh, it, it, it really is amazing. And isn't it true in your experience that it's better to give than to receive? Isn't it true? Uh, isn't it true that when you give your time, your money, your emotional energy, your sweat, and your tears to others, that you just, you're filled with, with joy. You're the most fulfilled and joyful, right? And you're tired, yes, but a good tired, right? You're like, this is what I was made for. You feel that. There's a special joy, a special contentment and peace that comes in this kind of service, specifically because of verse 17, this promise from our Lord Jesus, if you do these things, you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. The second effect of service, and the one um, that's surprising, is hinted at in verse 16. So look at there. Uh, verse 16. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. So it makes sense to talk about a servant. A servant's not greater than his master. But then why bring up messenger? Okay, this is, this is the word apostle, right? That, uh, that's the only time John uses it in this gospel. It's not meaning the 12 apostles, though that is who he's talking to, uh, but just meaning one sent with a mission, messenger, okay? Um, but, but why me mention messengers in this teaching about service? Okay, is this just a, a random example? 
maybe, um, I, but I don't think so. But verse 20, because I think verse 20 shows. Uh, verse 20, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me, the one who sent me. But this is the last sentence in this teaching. It's the one that uh, Jesus is building to, generally, in these narrative passages, the kind of the last one is, this is the, the point. Um, and, and it's, but it's not about service. Isn't it interesting? It's not about service. It's about, again, being a messenger, a sent one. He says, uh, the, who, whoever receives the one I send, the disciple, receives me, and whoever receives me, so receives the Father, which is an amazing uh, statement about how God plans to use his people as messengers in the world. But again, why here? Why here? How does this fit with the lesson on, on humble service? And, and the key, I think, is further along in the chapter. So turn over to, to verse 34, 13, 34. So directly after our passage, as I said, Judas goes out to betray um, Jesus in 21 through 30. And then in 31, Jesus again addresses the 11, the remaining 11, uh, with these words. Verse 34, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Okay, what, what kind of love is he talking about? Well, remember verse 1. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. How did he love them? Foot washing. So this is right on the tail of the foot washing. This just happened. They surely would have been thinking. They, they made this connection. Right? John made this connection. Um, they, they would have been thinking this kind of humble service is how we're supposed to, to love each other. Okay, and look at what the effect is. Verse 35. By this, by your love for each other, by your foot washing, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. So the second effect of our service is that all people will know we follow Jesus. That's being a messenger, right? And, and it's messengered by humble service. Okay, Frederick Bruner in his commentary on John says about this verse, the mutually lived out heart love of Christians for one another will be the single greatest missionary force in the world. It's counterintuitive, right? Isn't that how God works? It's not contact evangelism. It's not a church service. It's not a tent revival. It's not uh, working in a soup kitchen. It's not Bible translation, as good as all those things are. Um, it's by our love for each other and our humble service to each other that the world will say, that's weird. <laughs> Nobody serves like that. And, th and they'll ask, and we'll give an answer for the hope that's in us. And they'll see we follow the great foot washer, Jesus so if we love and serve like Jesus, if we follow his example, um, you'll be blessed, right? and people will know that you follow Jesus, the great food washer. Now, power. How do we, how do, we do this, right? Be because if we're honest, this is hard, <laughs> isn't it? No task is too banal, right? No one's too, I can't be too busy, and, I, and there's no one I can refuse to serve. Seriously, right? That, that seems like an almost unbearable weight, how, how do we get the resources to serve in this way? And, and so we come to our good friend, Peter. Don't you love Peter? Uh, th this part of the passage always puzzled me. Um, in fact, I've taught it before and, and just kind of, uh, for time reasons, just skipped over this part because I was like, I'm not sure how it fits in. Uh, but this week, it just clicked for me. And I really think it's, it's the key to the whole thing. Um, in, in verse 6, Jesus comes to Peter. And Peter asks if... Jesus, you're going to wash my feet? Okay, obviously questioning Jesus, questioning his decision. And Jesus says patiently, and isn't Jesus patient with us? 
what I'm doing, you don't understand now. But afterward, you'll understand, right? He's like, Peter, I, it doesn't surprise me you'd be the one to object, um, but just hold your horses if you could just trust me for a minute. Like, you're gonna, this is going to become clear later. Just let it go. Peter doesn't let it go. Um, he, he says, in, in as strong a phrase as possible in Greek, you shall never wash my feet. You can hear the disdain almost in his, his voice. And you shall never wash my feet. His, his defiance. Um, you wonder, I just can't help but wonder if the other disciples were like, oh boy, not again, right? Get behind me, Satan boys, at it again, right? Um, the, but, but you can see where, where P- Peter's coming from, okay? Uh, he thinks he's being humble, doesn't he? He thinks he's being humble, but deep down, it's, it's a prideful humility. It's a prideful humility. He's saying, I know what's right and proper, and Jesus, you, my rabbi, my Lord, you're never going to wash my feet. That's not right. It's just wrong. Okay? Uh, it, it might, it's the same feeling you might get if, if your boss comes into, you, into your office and tries to take out your, your trash or shred some documents for you or file something for you. Like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't worry about it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah, it's not, no problem. Uh, you know, I'm supposed to serve you, not the other way around. And, and Jesus answers him, uh, Peter, and says something really shocking. He says, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Literally, if you don't let me do this, Peter, we don't have fellowship. Like, we won't be together anymore. What, what in the world is Jesus saying? He's saying, and I think here's the key to the whole, whole thing. Um, Peter, this isn't just a random act of love. This isn't just an example to you of service. This washing of your feet is symbolic of my washing you of your sin, my forgiving you. And and if you can't let me wash you in this way, Peter, you can't have me. And I think this is a lesson for us as well. Um, We're more like Peter than we would hope. We don't like people to serve us, especially people who we see as higher on the, on the social ladder is more important than us. And in the same way, we can naturally push away God's free grace, his forgiveness, his cleansing. We, we can say with Peter, Jesus, you'll, you'll never wash my feet. I, I can clean myself up. Uh, and per, perhaps even subconsciously then, we work really hard at being good, a good Christian, a good husband, a good father, a good mother, a good employee, a good child, a good whatever, and all the while trying to do our part, trying to contribute to our cleansing, trying to feel good about ourselves when we come before God. Our attitude deep down might be, like Peter, a prideful humility. We think we're being humble. But really, we're refusing to admit our dire need and let our Savior serve us. Make no mistake, if Jesus cannot serve you, you cannot have him. If Jesus cannot serve you, you cannot have him. Peter, to his credit, uh, says, exaggerating as usual, then wash my hands and my head too. Right? He's like, if, if that's what's at stake, I, don't, I want the deluxe wash, not just the foot wash. Right? All of it. Uh, and, and Jesus says in verse 10, the one who's bathed doesn't need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. Okay, Jesus says he's washed. Peter and the other disciples have been bathed. 
okay, um, besides Judas, right? So all except Judas have believed in the Son. They've all repented of their rebellion and turned to him. Uh, they followed him. They're, they've all received the Son and also the Father. They're forgiven. They're righteous. They're completely clean, Jesus says. And, and, and here's the power. So we're asking, how do we have the power to serve as Jesus calls us to in this passage? Here, here's the power. When, when you see the foot washing, not only as an example to follow, but as a symbol and a reminder and a picture of the even greater way that Jesus has washed away your sin. He, he humbled himself, Philippians 2 says, not just to the point of foot washing, but to the point of death. And not just the point of death, but death on a cross, a shameful death. He was stripped naked. He was beaten. He was spit upon. He was mocked. He was executed with criminals for you and for me. He became sin so that you could become his righteous. Don't, don't you see that he became dirty so that you could be clean? If you haven't ever humbled yourself and trusted Jesus, if you, if you haven't ever let him cleanse you, let him wash you, then let me invite you in the name of the Lord Jesus to come to him. Come to him. He didn't stay dead. He rose. He's alive. Right? And he's here with us now by his spirit. And even now in his glory, he will humble himself and he's ready to cleanse you and to wash you from your sin. He offers you forgiveness, free, full, forever forgiveness. Please, please don't take an offer like this lightly. You can be clean. Turn from your rebellion. Trust in this God-man who loved you enough to die for you and, r- and rise from the dead for you. And if you're in Christ today, if you're a believer, if you have humbled yourself, you've trusted him and let him cleanse you, then you hear the words of, of our risen Lord Jesus to you today, that you are completely clean. You are, amen, you are completely clean. And, and you might say, but I, no, 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 no buts about it, right? W- would the disciples still struggle with sin after this? Yes. Would Peter, uh, in the next 24, that's the very end of this chapter, in the next 24 hours, would he deny that he even knew Jesus three times? Yes. But Jesus says to him, and he says to us in this moment, you are clean. And when you see our Savior serve you like that, and the Holy Spirit works it deep in your heart that you're clean because of his finished work, because of his shed blood, that you are cleansed and you are clean, then and only then will you have the power to, and desire to obey his command, to serve as he has served, to love as he has loved. It has to come from a heart that has been changed by the good news of Jesus. It becomes then not an unbearable weight, something you can't ever carry. Uh, It becomes a way to love and to please the one who served you so well. You've got to see Jesus wash you clean. So if you've only got 24 hours, and and some of us may, um, don't worry about skydiving or Rocky Mountain climbing or bull riding. Serve those God has put in your life. Listen well. Take time with people. Take out the trash. Sweep up. Right? You'll have joy as you follow your Savior, and the world will see a picture of the one who has humbled himself and has come and has served us so well and continues 
to serve us so well. If you're serving communion, I want to invite you to come on up. We will take communion. Let's pray together.